fourth and 14 for the Owls. They've converted on their other two fourth downs tonight, but not this time. Davenport delivers again. Place hard in another. Please pardon my brother. He's just angry at you who don't have your heart in your wraps and got too comfy because we still hungry. Young money got no munchies faded. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. I have a superstar guest today. We're going to talk about a very intriguing prospect. Today I have Dan Brugler on. You can follow him on Twitter, at DP Brugler. Um, he is the senior NFL draft analyst for NFL Draft Scout. He just dropped an amazing draft guide that is something you should definitely check out. And we're going to talk about Marcus Davenport, the edge rusher from UTSA today. Dane, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Elliot. Listen, man, the pleasure is all mine. So just a quick background in terms of uh, Marcus Davenport as an athlete. We're talking about a guy that's six foot five and three quarters, 264 pounds, 80-inch wingspan, 33 and uh, three-eighth arms. The 40-yard dash was really impressive in the 95th percentile at 4.58, 33-inch vertical jump, 124-inch broad jump, 7.2-second three-cone. And this past year, he had 17.5 tackles for loss with 8.5 sacks and 55 tackles overall, four passes deflected, three forced fumbles. I mean, a, a productive guy that showed up real well at the combine. When you watch Marcus Davenport, I know you're pretty high on him. Why, what, what gets you excited about his game? What are some of the strengths you really like about his game? Well, he, he looks exactly how you want a defensive end to look. And I think not only does he look the part, but he plays the part. Uh, as strong as he looks, uh, just you know, uh, suited up, he plays that strong as well. He likes to use his hands, likes to, you know, he's not just a speed guy, wants to go around the corner. He'll try to go through blockers, uh, put them on skates, create that, uh, convert that those first two steps uh, into movement, moving the blockers. Uh, but he's also a coordinated guy where he can play in space. Uh, if he wants to uh, use a speed rush, he can do that. He's very nimble for a player that size, very loose uh, in his joints, in his hips. Uh, so he's a very flexible player. Uh, and uh, when you're talking about a former basketball player, a hoops uh, type of hoops background uh, that you want to see in a, in a defensive end. Uh, and when you look at his journey and kind of where he's come from, um, and the fact that he didn't start playing football until uh, he got to high school and he started as a wide receiver and yeah, coming out of high school as a recruit, he was a 200 pound, I'm not sure where to play him type of athlete. Uh, he's a San Antonio native. So UTSA gave him a shot and uh, you know, the, what they knew about him was, Hey, he's just a raw athlete who was the defensive player of the year in basketball in his district. Uh, he qualified uh, in track in several events. Uh, so he's just a guy who has a lot of ability, and he grew into that role as a pass rusher uh, at UTSA. You saw the production improve every year. And I remember watching him over the summer, um, this past summer when I was doing my just my early look at the top seniors for the fall for the next year, and watching his junior tape and getting excited, thinking, okay, this guy has a chance to be a top 100 pick. Like I, I'm really liking some of these raw athletic traits. And then you watch him as a senior and all of a sudden, okay, wait, no, this guy's going to be better than a top 100 player. He's going to creep into the first round. And then the more and more we get into the process, you, you break it down and how he compares to these other players and you, you get excited about who he can grow into. Yeah. I, I think there are a couple other things that I noticed in his game on top of everything you just mentioned is that, uh, I, th I thought he had a very good bull rush. He was able to use his raw strength and kind of run through offensive tackles. 
And then I thought he was very good against the run as well. He could set a strong edge. He could disengage from offensive linemen using those long arms and kind of keep them at mm-hmm. bay. And he, he occasionally he got out of position, but I thought he held contain. He, he set the edge well, and he, he was a, a smart football player. Now, I think there are certainly times where he made mistakes and you could trick him with misdirection. But on top of all the things you mentioned, those are a couple of things that stood out to me. And as well as, you know, when he wasn't going to get there, I thought he did a pretty good job of getting his hands up and trying to deflect passes. And we're talking about a guy that's six foot six with those long arms. That that's a useful skill to start batting down passes as a pass rusher when you're not going to get there. He did stumble into the luckiest or the easiest defensive touchdown I've seen on tape of any player this year. I, I think I'm pretty sure the game was against Rice, where the quarterback just goes to throw it, falls out of his hands, and he picks it up and runs for a touchdown after getting to level the quarterback, which is basically every defender's dream. But right. So I before I get into his weaknesses, his senior bowl, I, I, I wasn't down there, but it might have been the most highly debated senior bowl where some reports were that he was really struggling and some reports were just that he was phenomenal. What did you think about that his performance down there? I, I thought it matched his tape. Uh, you know, and this is a player who is very athletically skilled and I think the hype just kinda got out of control leading up to the senior bowl. Um, you know, people saying he was, you know, by far the best player there and um, you know, different things like that. And so I think the expectations got a little bit out of whack because, again, we're talking about a very talented player who's still putting things together. And this is kind of go into the weaknesses uh, of Marcus Davenport is, uh, you know, as skilled as he is, as much talent as he has, he's still patching things together, uh, trying to use all the all the skills that he has, that skill set and mold it into an efficient pass rush. And that's something that you don't see all the time. Uh, his hand usage, you know, he'll, he'll look to make a, uh, use a rip move. He'll try to incorporate his hands, but they're just, it's undeveloped at this point. And so he'll flash at times, but for the most part, uh, he's still putting those pieces together, how to best use all those gifts. Uh, you see the swim move, you see the spin move, a little predictable. Um, so NFL blockers will be able to pick up on that. Uh, he's still, again, we talked about his background, being a former wide receiver, uh, you know, going to UTSA as basically a 200-pound, and he didn't have a chance to redshirt either. You know, this is a player who had was put on the field right away as a true freshman, uh, and so he's still a little bit behind in his development. But I, I think the the toughest part as an evaluator uh, is trying to figure out where a player is on his football timeline. And when I when I say that, I mean. You know, okay, that the beginning of a time, you just picture a timeline, the beginning being, uh, you know, when a player first starts playing uh, competitive football, and then at the other spectrum is, you know, when they start to wind down, where is Marcus Davenport on his football timeline? And I think that's why he's so highly rated for a lot of people, including myself, is you think uh, that Marcus Davenport, uh, if you like him, you believe that his, uh, right now where he is, uh, on that football timeline is not even halfway because you think he still has a long, uh, a long uh, way to go before he hits that ceiling, uh, and you think that he can hit that ceiling. And so I think that all the ability is there. It's just some of the te- technical issues, uh, some of the polish that he needs. Uh, so I just give him a, more reps, give him a little more seasoning. He's not a guy that's gonna. I don't think he's gonna lead the league in sacks as a rookie. But in year two, year three, that's where a player like Marcus Davenport is really going to show that he is worthy of a top pick. Yeah, I think the, the you, you made a lot of really good points there. One of them is being that he's raw. And it, it's 
pretty obvious when you watch him. Some of his technique's not there. I don't think he's super bendy either. If he improves his hands with his athleticism, I think he can be a really effective edge rusher. I think one of the other things is that, you know, when, when we talk about his level of competition, mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about a guy that didn't go up against great competition. He mostly lined up against right tackles as well, not against left tackles. And sometimes he just completely overpowered these guys. And you wonder how much of that can translate and, and how he can develop. Because the, like, you, like you mentioned, the tools are there. Like I, I agree that he's one of the more difficult evaluations for myself, at least, because you see tools and you're, you're trying to project and you're, you understand that this is just the beginning for him and his ceiling is phenomenal. But oftentimes we don't see guys hit their ceilings. So with mm-hmm. with that in mind, kind of where where would you take a guy like Marcus Davenport? How do you weigh out the risk of kind of the the floor is pretty low, but the ceiling is tremendous? Yeah, and that's the, definitely a difficult part of the whole thing. You know, we can break down a player, list strengths, like uh, list weaknesses, but actually projecting him and then stamping a, a grade on him, uh, you know, putting your name next to okay, I would take him this high. Uh, that's obviously the toughest part of the, the whole thing of uh, evaluating these players. And so with Marcus Davenport, uh, I think somewhere in the middle part of the f- first round is where I would feel comfortable taking him. Uh, you look at a team like uh, the 49ers picking number nine. I, I think that there's a, 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 a they're looking for pass rush help. And with Bradley Chubb off the board, likely in the top five or six picks, I, I think they're going to look long and hard at Marcus Davenport uh, another part of his evaluation that's a little tough is he was by far the at his best when he was standing up off the edge. I thought from his tape and then at the Senior Bowl, you know, he's not he wasn't as effective with his hand on the ground. And so for a team like the 49ers, another team that runs a lot of three four uh, with their scheme, letting their pass rusher stand up off the edge, that's what's going to best fit Marcus Davenport. And so. Uh, we talk about uh, the level of competition, and you know that's something that also factors into this. The, the position that he plays factors into this. Pass rusher is the number two most important position on the roster, aside from quarterback. And so uh, that's part of this as well, where you're a little more likely to take a chance on one of those guys uh, as opposed to maybe another position, because if you hit, well, then you're gonna you know you're gonna hit high and you're gonna hit really well and. For a player, uh, you know, go over the the past, uh, you know, ten years or so, uh, you know, there have been plenty of pass rushers from lower levels. You can go back to, you know, Demarcus Ware uh, coming out of Troy, uh, not going up against the, you know, the elite tackles of the SEC or other big conferences. Uh, so I think we've seen it in the past where, uh, you know, big time players uh, from lower conferences at the pass rush position will go high. And I think Marcus Davenport is going to be in that mix where uh, 9 to 49ers, that might be the highest he might go. But I'd be surprised if he didn't go somewhere in the top 20 picks. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of where the consensus is on him. I'm a little bit lower. I have a late first, early two on him because of some of the the risk that's there. And I I think your point about lower end pass rushers is really important that you certainly can have success with those guys. I just, when I watch the film on them, it's really important for them to then have a good combine on top of that to show me that they weren't just overpowering lesser competition, and he did that. Mm-hmm. So that makes me feel more comfortable with him. When you watch his game, is there someone that he reminds you of? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, comps are never apples to apples. It's always kind of tough to, to do those. I, I, you know, I saw a little bit of uh, kind of like the Ziggy Ansah comparison a little bit. I, I thought that made some sense uh, with ability to use power, Ability to use that athleticism, 
also, you know, just both being a little bit raw coming out, you know, their projection picks, they're based more on ability than uh, production or, you know, they're not seasoned guys coming into the NFL. And so there is a little bit of a uh, projection there. And so because of those reasons, I thought the Ziggy Yonsa comp would fit uh, pretty well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Another one I've seen that makes some sense is Daniel Hunter. Again, we're talking about a raw pass rusher with, with serious upside. I know you mm-hmm. mentioned the 49ers, and one of the things I talk about a ton is you know, where these guys land has a huge impact on how successful they can be because right. you know the system and the coach and uh, the assumption of rational coaching is a huge part of evaluating a prospect. And I, I think mm-hmm. you're absolutely right, by the way. I've seen some people mention that they'd like to see him as a 4-3 defensive end. I think he looks by far the most comfortable standing up. Where would you like to see him go? Where, where do you, What team do you think he's the best fit on for his skill set? Uh, yeah, well, 49ers, I think that I mentioned them uh, for a reason, you know, being maybe the highest I could see him going. Um, but I also think he'd be a great fit there. Um, you know, a guy that can stand up uh, in that defense um, and, you know, you know, they're not going to just lock them into left end, right end. Um, I, I think they get creative with the way that you can use their pass rushers. Um, you know, we saw it last year with Solomon Thomas uh, a little bit. They, I think they figured out pretty quickly uh, or at, you know, at some point during his rookie year, they needed, to, they needed to be a little creative with him. And same thing with Davenport, move him around, you know, let him rush from different angles, let, let him stand up off the edge. I think he's fully capable of doing that. That's, uh, you know, where he's best on film. So I think the 49ers would definitely make some sense. Uh, Green Bay uh, and Mike Pettin's, uh defense, uh, that, that could be a, a fit for him. And Mike Pettin's defense, he likes his edge rushers to be uh, just three down players, yeah, be able to drop in space, be able to play the run. Being able to get upfield against the quarter or to find the quarterback, and, and that's something that I think Marcus Davenport does really well. He does not look like a fish out of water uh, if you ask him to drop in space. Uh, he can hold the edge against the run, and then of course get after the quarterback. So uh, nine to Forty Niners, uh, fourteen to the Packers. I think those two spots would make some sense. Yeah, I, I think the Packers is the team I see him end up on almost on in almost every mock draft that I see. Is, is with him on the Packers. In case he falls a little bit, and I mean, you never know. A team that I mm-hmm. think could make some sense is the Tennessee Titans there at 25. Yeah. Uh, you know, he could get an opportunity to stand up. Last year they took Corey Davis and Adore Jackson in the first round, two guys that were a little bit more raw but incredibly high ceilings, and we saw them kind of come along. So I, I, I trust them to develop some players some and they have a need on the edge and a, a real as a number one pass rusher and they have brian arakbo that you could take a little pressure off him to begin with they can let him develop and he could do a lot of good things down there in tennessee yeah no that's a great point uh especially the you know having Derek morgan having uh arakbo you know not forcing him to be the guy from day one uh that would be a big part of his development because he's he's just not ready for that yet um again i think when we look back at this pick two, three years down the road, that will have a lot more appreciation for it rather than what he does as a rookie. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He's definitely one of those guys that you want to give three years to grading or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh, be- before you judge him, not just you know six games in the season like people love to do at this point uh, in the world we're right. in. But, Dane, I just want to thank you for joining us, man. Your your knowledge is really second to none. You're, you're a legend in the draft game. I'm, I'm sure everyone listening to this already follows you, but if not, kind of, what are you working on, and where they where can they find it? Uh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at DP Brugler. Um, my draft guide just came out this week. Um, if you know anyone's interested in the NFL draft, I promise you will not be disappointed by 
uh, my draft guide. And I, I, what I do is I basically create something that I would buy um, and something that has more details than uh, you know you could possibly want in a draft guide. So full background information, all the pro day and combine uh, stats, and then, of course, the full evaluation, strengths, weaknesses, projections, what I see for the player. Um, you want to know how many games he started as a freshman? That's in there, all that. So uh, if you're interested in the NFL draft, I promise you will not be disappointed by it. Uh, check out my Twitter. I've got the link uh, uh, pinned at the top uh, of my timeline. Uh, it's an automatic PDF download, So, um, and I, I keep it under 10 bucks. You know, The bosses yell at me. They want me to... Uh, charge more for it, but I want to just make sure it's you know it's it's not too much, so everyone can get a chance to uh, check it out. So I appreciate all the support with it. Yeah, I, I'm going to buy it as soon as this podcast ends. So guys, I'm telling you, you're going to want to check that out. Dane Dane is an absolute must follow, and you're going to really want to read his work. Again, Dane, I just want to thank you for joining us. You guys are listening to the Draft Daily Podcast. I'm your host as always, Elliot Chris. You can find the podcast now on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. As always, we really appreciate listening. Thank you. I'm wrong.